Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we are building a theology of self-care together. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Runnin' Rev. And through conversations with others and reflections on faith, we are seeking to build a theology of self-care, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. Welcome to this episode, as I have on today, Emma Hilton. Uh, Emma is a new mom, uh, a new wife. She has a lot of new things happening in her life right now and over the course of the past few years. And so I thought this would be an awesome opportunity to really talk about life's transitions and what it looks like to to transition in phases of life and to transition our self-care, how we're caring for ourselves and what that looks like in these different phases as these new transitions come up upon us. What can we do to continue to care for, to continue to look after ourselves as well as also looking after those whom we love most and and even those who are just in our community or those whom we take care of through our vocation. And so we talk a lot about that today as we look at um, Emma's life as a, as a new mom, uh, as we look at her life in this new community as she moved to North Carolina not, not, not too, too long ago, uh, not too many years ago. And so uh, what it has looked like in these transitions for her to continue to care for yourself and the role that communication and advocacy has really played for her in that. And so let's dive in and hear from Emma. All right. What is up, everybody? Uh, Today, I'm joined by Emma Johnston. Emma, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, So uh, Emma is here. We're going to talk a little bit about new motherhood today. But before we jump into our conversation, Emma, why don't you introduce ourselves to introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, Who are you? Where are you from? And what does self-care mean to you? Ooh, loaded questions. Okay. So um, I have a new name now. It's Emma Johnston Hilton. So I am married. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That is okay. It's okay. Um, Sometimes I go by Johnston. Sometimes I go by Hilton. So (laughs) that is totally fine. What am I doing now? So I am a hospice chaplain getting ready to transition to full-time chaplaincy after two years of residency. And Long story of where I am from. I grew up in a small town outside of London, England, moved to Danville, Virginia when I was a teenager. And now I live in a small town called Stoneville in North Carolina, and I'm part of the Western Carolina Conference. And what does self-care mean to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the last question. What does self-care mean to me? Oh, well, we're going to get into that quite deeply here in our conversation. Um, It's a... It's holistic, right? It's a whole body, spirit, mind, all of it. Self-care is so complicated and simple all at one time. I know that's what you talk a lot about, Andrew. That is your focus. And so I'm sure you've heard all the answers. Um, Self-care right now looks very different for me than it has in the past. So. I'm excited to get into that with you. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, a lot of times when we're going through life, one of the things that we don't necessarily think about is the way that our self-care practices change as we experience different events in our lives. Um, And I think in, in the last like handful of years now, you've had a lot of different life transitions uh, that have impacted where you live, uh, who your community that surrounds you is, um, the way that you're able to care for yourself. Um, 
And I thought that in that, that provided a very good perspective for a lot of us because, you know, I know I have a handful of listeners that are pastors and every few years, you know, we go through moves and uh, go to new communities and stuff like that. But I even know just in general, uh, whether listeners, whether you're a pastor or whether you're not a pastor and, uh, you know, you have a different vocation, there are these events that happen in our lives that functionally change the way we are able to practice self-care. And I think that for us to reflect on those really benefits us to say, all right, this is what my life looks like now. How can I practice? How can I care for myself in this time? Um, And so, you know, one of the big ones that I wanted to focus on is this nature of new motherhood. Uh, So uh, you have an eight month old. Yes, he just turned eight months last week. Yeah. So you have an eight month old at home. So so you are almost pretty much a brand new mother. Um, you've also, uh, you know, you're in a fairly new marriage. Um, I think y'all have only been married for a few years now. Two years in September. Yeah. You're great at this, Andrew. I'm very good at Facebook stalking. No. Um, and I still call you by your, by your maiden name. Um, Friends, I apologize to Emma. Uh, it is very hard sometimes to break habits when you know someone as long as Emma and I have known each other to say, oh yes, Hilton now. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so when you think about these major life changes, uh, what's the first thing that you reflect on as, as you know, when you get married and you move from Lynchburg to North Carolina, um, and then you have a child and you go from this one nature of caring for yourself to another, what's kind of the first practice that you maybe adopted in these times when it came to self-care? Uh, the practice that I adopted that I have really been leaning into in this season, which sounds a bit contradictory to being a new mother is rest. Mm -hmm. Right. When we first think of becoming a parent, we think of sleepless nights, a child always attached to you in some way, depending on the manner in which you're feeding, but also that physical, just that general physical connection that you have, whether you're a mom or a dad, Mm -hmm. uh, your baby is always attached to you in some way. And so the thought of getting rest does not seem um, congruent with being a new parent or a parent at any stage in life. Um, But for me, it has been finding rest. So I went from, like you said, Lynchburg to North Carolina. Lynchburg, I was single, uh, able to care for myself in whatever way I wanted to, whenever I wanted to. I move, start a new full-time job, get married, and then quickly have a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot of transition. And so prioritizing rest in different ways has been kind of my number one thing. And how big a role in that rest does communication play a role? Whether it's with your husband, whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your work. Communication is key. One thing that I have um, learned and really appreciate about where I now work is communication is our number one priority, no Mm. matter what is going on. So in this transition, so for two years, I was a resident and then a fellow at a level one trauma center hospital uh, full time, which if you've ever done CPE, you know that full time is not 40 hours. It's like 50 up to 60 hours a week, uh, which was very difficult, not only while being pregnant, but then yeah. uh, going in after maternity leave. So when I started this new position, 
it's a part-time position. And so I really appreciated the opportunity to be part-time. Um, things are going so well here that I've been extended a full-time contract. And part of that, part of being a new mom is figuring out childcare mm-hmm. and making sure that your child is taken care of. And so in doing that, in going full-time, uh, they I communicated I'd love to be full time. I want to make this work, but childcare is an issue. So I'm able to work from home one day a week so that mm. I'm able to still care for my family, care for myself, and be a part of this team that is all about cultivating community and walking alongside people during uh, some of the toughest moments. What is it like advocating for yourself in those situations? How how difficult is that? Um, or or even, you know, what do those conversations look like? I think for a lot of listeners, there's that sense in which, no, I know that communication is important. And it's, you know, that that was kind of one of those leading questions that I gave you. I knew what the answer was, but I don't think anybody would argue the importance of communication. But I think the difficult part is like, advocating for ourselves and maybe standing our ground. I know that might be easier in some situations than in others, but, but what does that look like to advocate for yourself? I'll be honest. It is incredibly difficult for me to advocate for myself. So one of the great, (laughs) one of the great, uh, learnings and knowing about myself that I started when I was in Lynchburg. And then as I've been moving is, um, I know most of us, probably 99% of us are familiar with the Enneagram. And so learning about that and not just learning about it on a surface level, but like doing in-depth studies and reflection and conversation, right? The best way we learn is in communication again, in conversation with one Mm -hmm. another. And I am a nine in the Enneagram world, which is the peacemaker. And for me, um, things that aren't conflict still feel like conflict Mm -hmm. internally. So when it's a conversation saying, you know what, I actually can't work this day to me, like internally, I kind of like get wound up, right? Like this internal spring, it winds up and it causes anxiety. And I, I feel like it's conflict and it's not. And I will say perhaps one of the greatest freedoms in becoming a mother is some of that just kind of went out of the window. Mm -hmm. And so I have learned to better advocate for myself. And that started advocating for myself during our birth process and has like continued and bled into all arenas of my life. And so it starts with just, you know, taking a deep breath and then going into those conversations and having them face to face when when you can, as mm-hmm. much as you can, I find that helps to lower my anxiety and people are able to see, oh, Emma's not being confrontational, even though it might feel like that to me, or Emma's being really standoffish about something. It's not that. So it's really that face-to-face communication as much as I can has been favorable. And, I, and I, well, and I, and I think for many of us, that is like, you know, as an Enneagram three, I'm not even like, it's not even like, I mean, conflict avoidance is just because like, I don't want people to not like me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Right. You're a performer. I need people to like me at all times. Um, And so, and, and I know for listeners, I mean, I think this gets back to the point of knowing yourself, right? I mean, I talk about the Enneagram all the time. I I seem to have always had people on the podcast who like talk about the Enneagram. I mean, honestly, like it is just a really good tool and resource, but whatever you use, whatever one of these, like understanding yourself 
you know, whether uh, like the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finder, you know, any of these things, they help you to understand who you are and how you interact. And one of the things that I hear in that is in order to in order to under in order to understand how we interact in these situations, we need to understand ourselves and who we are and how we interact. And so when it comes time to being able to advocate for ourselves, you know, this this sense of advocacy becomes a point of self-care because it allows us to have the space. It allows us to create the boundaries. And so, you know, you talk about it's it's the entire process that you used. And just like we talked in our episode with with Thomas James and his renewal leave, you know, when we talked to Jesse Colwell about what it looks like to do this vocationally, is when we start the process earlier, we really come into a place where we can have a role in saying, this is how I'm going to care for myself. And even the trust and, and space that we build in that. And so you took, you said you took maternity leave. Um, so what was that? What was that? Uh, so, so let's start in the process leading up to it. What, what was that like leading into that process of knowing that you were going to have maternity leave? And then when you're on maternity leave, you know, we talk about these big transitions in life coming from um, not just, but, you know, at at this point in time, you don't have a child yet. So, like, I'm going to use the word just because I can't think of any other way. You know, you're just a wife, just in a vocational sense. And now that on top of that, now you had a child. And so you have this defined period of family leave where you have to figure out how to take care of this small human being in the, in the, in the name of at some point in time, I'm going to be returning to work. And it was that your mindset that you were going to be returning to work. Cause I know we see a lot of either maternal or paternal figures who take these leaves and then they're like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to, I want to stay home with this kid. Cause it, it seems easier. You know, I'll, I'll get to that later. But what was it like sort of going into your maternity leave? And then what it, what are you learning during your maternity leave? Yeah, great question. So leading into maternity leave um, in the fall, uh, baby was born at the end of January. In the fall, I was curious about... So I didn't take like a Christmas vacation. I had to like bank up time because when you're a resident, you don't fall under the same policies and procedures as say a regular full-time staff member at a hospital. Uh, Warning for all of you who decide to take a residency and perhaps get pregnant during your residency and fellowship years. And so while I was doing that and starting to research, I reached out to supervisors and HR office and things like that. So I was able to take uh, my Christmas break. I was able to move that. I had saved up PTO days. So that gave me two weeks. Mm -hmm. Then there was family leave. So I was able to take another two weeks. So I knew I would have a month. A month is no time to recover from giving birth. Mm -hmm. Let me say that. That is zero time to recover from any of it. And then I applied for FMLA. But it took a lot of me constantly speaking up, speaking out, contacting people, following up. It was a lot of work leading into it. So when it came down to it, I was going into my birth knowing that I would have six weeks off, four paid, two weeks unpaid. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, if you've ever done a residency, you know that they do not pay a lot. And so that was a stressor for me. But we made it work. 
we always make it work. If there's one thing about our relationship, we always make it work. We always figure it out. And so I knew that I couldn't stress about it because the stress, one, is not good for me and two, is not good for a baby. So going into maternity leave, like you said, people start taking their parental leave, whatever form that looks like, and then they decide they're not going back to work. Um, We had been at home for a week and I looked at my husband and said, I'm never going back to work. Mm. I will not do this. And part of that was just um, the trauma of our birth. Uh, We did not have a birth that um, we had hoped for or wanted, but um, it was a birth that we needed and our son is healthy and I am healthy. So we are thankful for that in all things. So what I ended up doing is part of this self-care, part of advocating for myself at my six-week checkup. I looked at my doctor and I said, I need more time. I cannot go back to work. Mm. And so we worked together. We came up with a plan. Um, I immediately left from his office and took it to my supervisor and we had good conversation. And so I was able to take a little bit more time and then phase my return into work. Um, Very helpful for me because again, you're going back into 40 hours a week and you're seeing really um, heavy traumatic stuff in a Mm -hmm. hospital. It's not always traumatic, but a lot of it is when you're at a trauma center. So with that, when I returned, I began looking for new work. Uh, I knew that it was time for me to move on, that I needed something better for me and for my family. Because now, like you said, using the word just, right, when I was just a wife, it was okay for me to work that often. Mm -hmm. When you have a child in whatever form you bring that child into your family, everything changes. And so these decisions that I've been making, not just for me, there for my whole family and what is best for us. And so finding part-time work was kind of paramount for me. Um, And like I said, now I'm transitioning to full-time because we're in a position where it works for us and it makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. And for, for you, what was the, what was the difficult part in returning to work? It was, um, First of all, being physically separated from my baby. And I was not fully recovered. I'm still not fully recovered eight months out uh, in a physical sense. Even though I'm healthy, I'm still not physically fully recovered from that experience. And also the time, the time away from my family, not being there for bedtime, not being there for bath time. I'm still not always there for those things, but now we're in a rhythm and a routine. And so we can better share in our parenting and Mm -hmm. with our child. How much, how much of your physical recovery has been impacted in trying to also not only care for yourself, but also care for your child? It completely gets pushed to the back burner. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of those things that I also asked for um, during that six week checkup, that first checkup that moms have first real checkup that we have um, was physical therapy. It was one of the first things I said was I need a referral for physical therapy. Can we make that happen? And so I had 10 sessions and that's great. And you're able to stick with that routine when you have weekly appointments. But after that, it just gets pushed aside. Um, Baby's needs come first always. And so my recovery gets pushed (laughs) completely to the back burner. So 
we do things like we like to go on walks as a family. And these days that I'm at home, just the two of us during the day, we'll try to go out and get a walk in. But everything is completely different now. And that isn't a good or a bad thing. It's what it is. Yeah. And I think that there are probably a lot of parents who empathize with that and understand what that's like, because that becomes the difficulty in in being a parent, especially to a small child. Right. You know, once they, you know, get older and maybe they move out, it, it it's you can come back and focus on yourself, but like as long as they're living in your house, there's a sense in which you're caring, you're taking part of their care in your hands. And so, you know, kids are, I mean, there's something that really just change our self care routines because it's so hard to think, uh, you know, I have to laugh when I think about it. It's like, they always tell you, you know, when the kid sleeps, you sleep. And I, and, and I remember it's like, okay, cool. Like they're sleeping, but then I also have to like, you know, whether it's like clean the house or, you know, do something else or like, okay, cool. They're sleeping, but maybe I have to write a sermon. I could take a shower. I could fold the laundry. Yeah. And it's like in the crock pot. Yeah. Or I could sleep. (laughs) Um, and so when it comes to when it comes to caring for yourself with a child, um, it, it does become difficult because there is there is this way in which we consider being a parent, especially a parent to an infant, to a toddler whose needs are so I mean, I mean, there's so much that they need done that they cannot do themselves. Um, it becomes really difficult. And so as a new mother, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm disclaimer, I guess, you know, Emma's only eight months into this, but I mean, I, I learned, I will say that I learned more about parenthood in the first year of my kid's life, trying to, you know, keep them alive. Then that, I mean, and not to say that I don't continue to learn more, but like there is so much that happens in that new parenthood phase. Um, you know, just like when we had Ashley and Blaine on a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about sort of that new pastoral phase, there's so much that's learned in that new phase. You know, what have you learned about self-care in these last eight months, trying to care for yourself and care for a child? The, the importance of it, how important it is to care for myself so that I can care for him and show up in all my other roles, right? as a wife, as Emma, right? Who is mm-hmm. Emma in all of this? And Emma, again, kind of is on the back burner as I live into these new roles. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's what it is. And it comes back to, like I said at the very beginning, communication. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm just exhausted and I'll be like, I just need to go into the bedroom for an hour and unplug, watch TV, take a nap, just do something to care for myself. I know probably every other parent can relate to this. I don't think I have prayed more in my entire life than I have as a new parent. Like every breath is some sort of prayer. Like, please, would you just take this nap? Please, would you just eat? We're having such a good day. Like, I hope we continue to have a good day. It's like a constant breath prayer that I was never aware of. And no one really tells you about. And so communication has been the most important thing for caring for myself and for my husband, right? Him being able to say, like, I want to go for a run. When's the best time? When can we make it work? How do we do this? And just checking in with each other and seeing what the other person needs in order to care for themselves so that we can then care together for Mm -hmm. our baby. So 
then then who is Emma right now? That is a great question. Like, I Emma mean, is a lot of things. Yeah. And I mean, I, I and I mean, you know, I asked, like, who are you earlier in the episode? And, and you kind of gave us a lot of that stuff. But, you know, we, we also talk about roles and titles and all of these different things that define us. And so who is Emma? And Emma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emma kind of comes and goes, right? Because right now I am very much living into these titles. And I think that will, these roles, and I think that will change probably within the next couple of months. Once our baby turns a year old, I feel like there's some sort of shift that happens there. Uh, not like you said, you learned so much that first year. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll, we we are getting to that point because it changes every day. Um, but Emma, who she is, every now and then she uh, makes an appearance. So one of the things that I do prioritize is time with friends. So making sure that I can have time with them to communicate, to be in relationship, to get together and have something to eat. Um, sometimes we all get together. There's a small group of us that get together with our families. And sometimes we get together without our families. Mm-hmm. and just savoring those moments and also knowing and for all other parents, like these hard, long days that go by so quickly don't last forever. Right. So Emma will come back. Emma is still here, but right now I'm very much a mom and a wife and a hospice chaplain. Well, and I think that that defines who, who you are right now. Right. And I mean, again, like we come back to the transitions, like, I have not always been a pastor. I've not always been a husband. I've not always been a father. You know, there have been times in my life where I've not held these roles. Um, And at different points in our lives, these different roles, these different titles come to define us in different ways. And so, you know, at one point in my time, at one point in my life, I was a college student. Um, In one point in time, I was a deviant little youth who caused problems. Now I'm just a deviant adult who causes problems. And so how are you balancing that nature right now? It's a delicate balance. It really is. And it's not always, I wouldn't say it's like 50, 50, because there are so many different roles. It just depends on what's going on on each individual day or whatever's going on that week. It kind of rotates and, changes it's constantly evolving and so also just like knowing and it's not like the end is in sight it's just knowing that this is a process that will constantly evolve and change and morph and will be different and you know the only constant is change and so (laughs) leaning into the mystery of that and the consistency of that and I and and that just becomes such an important quality of self-care because we can't necessarily change who we are, right? You know, there's there's no way to really change it. When we name where we are right now, who we are right now, and and you kind of say, okay, um, I am uh, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a hospice chaplain, you know, I am a friend. You know, I'm a daughter, you know, you name all of these things and to name each one of those things gives us an area of care that we focus on. 
And I think when we then keep us keep ourselves at the center, what you talked about earlier and that nature of rest, it says, okay, I, I can take care of myself in each one of these different areas. You know, I can spend time with my husband. I can spend time with my child. I can spend time with my family. I can spend time, you know, with my friends. I spend time at work. And then it's, okay, when do I spend time with myself? Um, and everything that goes into that rest, because while I, while I agree that rest kind of makes up the bulk of our, our self-care, uh, I think that defining rest, whether it's, you know, maybe it is rest is that point where you're at the doctor and you're saying, look, I need PT because I need to care for Emma today. Um, I need to care for myself as a human being, not myself as a spouse, because caring for myself as a human being is going to make me, um, more able to spend time with my family, with my friends, with my, you know, all those different people. And, and I love that how we can perform that, not perform, but how we create that sense of balance in our lives that helps to be able to make sure that we're attentive, that we're in a good headspace, that we're there for, for those whom we're there for in our lives. And, and it just becomes so difficult to, to really conceptualize. Um, and bringing in that balance in a way. Um, and so when, when you're having these times, when you're creating this space, you know, we talk about maternity leave and we talk about coming back from maternity leave, right? What is that, what is that transition like? Cause you know, you've, you've talked a little bit about, um, I, I don't know whether you identified it as anxiety, but it almost maybe like anxiety, like stress of like coming back and, you know, there's that anxiety of you've been spending six weeks with this child who is brand new, who is still fragile in the world. And now you like you have to leave that child and you're like, ah. um, so what is that transition coming back into, you know, into a vocation, into um, working? You know, you decided to you, you you made a commitment to come back and and go back into hospice chaplaincy instead of, you know, just staying home. Um, and you made that decision. And there are folks who are going to make the opposite decision. And there are going to folks who make that same decision. But it doesn't necessarily change the transition that's taking place where a decision has been made. And so what does it look like to go in that direction? Or what did it look like for you? Um. Let me address the anxiety piece first, and then I'll get to the question. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety and mm -hmm. have been in treatment for that, and it has been wonderful. And so, to all new parents, because it applies to moms and dads, no one is immune from it. So, it is okay to ask for help. Please ask for help. It is so important to reach out. Please do it. Please, please, please. Um, cannot stress that enough, whether that's a therapeutic relationship that you seek out, whether that is um, a relationship in which you use medication, if it's a combination, all of those things. Please take care of yourself. It is so important. Okay. So the transition from maternity leave, it was incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. I really had to set myself up for that. And my postpartum anxiety did not help me with that. One of the things that was helpful, and I know that not everyone can do this, 
I acknowledge that we are so fortunate that our baby, his childcare is with family. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that helped to bring me some peace. Uh, my husband only works 10 minutes from where we live. And so those first few months, he would go home at lunchtime and not only provide relief to our caregivers, but was able to like check in with me and say, I'm here with the baby. Everyone is okay. Everything's good. How are you doing? But then also when I was at work, having support in place, having those trusted colleagues and supervisors and peers that I could go to and just say like, today's tough or, um, I just got a call and I was with a family and their baby was the same age as my baby. Mm. And it was hard, right? Those are the really hard, those were the really hard things about transitioning back, but also like self self care, family care in terms of like, we meal prepped the heck out of some food. So Mm -hmm. we had like an entire freezer stocked full of stuff so that I wasn't worried about what are we eating? What are we going to do? Like all those little things add up. It might not seem like self-care in the moment. And then when you look back on it, you're like, that was one of the best decisions we ever made was to do X, Y, and Z. And it set us up for success. And I think for many, they're going to, they're going to hear that story. And they're also going to wonder, you know, what is your feelings now? You know, uh, you're, from end of maternity leave. So like five, six months out, like what is that looking like now? Um, And if you don't mind me asking, like, what is that anxiety look like? Yeah. Um, So at first, and I think part of this was, so the initial anxiety, part of it was unresolved um, trauma from things that I had seen as a pediatric chaplain Mm. that I had not, properly processed in the moments because you can't. And so it all came up for me when I gave birth. Part of the anxiety came from having a traumatic birth experience. And so a lot of it was, I just didn't sleep for three weeks. I just constantly watched my baby. Um, and I got, I got to a, a point where I just couldn't hold it in anymore and hit a breaking point and sought out help. Um, Now that anxiety looks very different. Now it is, um, I stepped out of our living room yesterday to go grab something from the kitchen. And when I came back, my baby who had been sitting on the floor was standing up, pushing his walker around the (laughs) living room, right? So now the anxiety is, oh my gosh, how, how did this happen? How did he grow up so quickly? I, I, and how you he's know still what? so little, right? <laughs> you know what? I've got a seven and a four-year-old. They grow up very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly the changes happen. Because, like I said, the days feel so long, but time is so short. Mm-hmm. And so now I would say, like, thanks to all the different interventions, my anxiety is so much better. Uh, part of that comes with him also growing up and being older. Um, just things that we know as a society about that first year of life um, are so scary. Um, so as he gets older, I feel a little bit more relief. Um, yeah. And looking back on that time of maternity leave, I'm so thankful. And I'm sure this is hard for 
clergy persons who are itinerant and have to move around and perhaps are not as close, like geographically to their family. Mm -hmm. My family lived close by. And so they were able to come in and help support at different times and kind of be on a rotation. Um, I couldn't imagine having to go through what we went through and not have the support of family. I'm sure people have wonderful, supportive church families. Um, I know uh, they are also important. Our our church grandmas are also wonderful people. <laughs> but there's something about you know having the real the real nana there to help take care. Um, yeah, familial support has just been so important for us through this whole process. And obviously, you know. I would never be one to say that we recover from anxiety. I think we learn how to manage it as we go through life. And obviously, there are a bunch of different ways in which we can manage our anxiety. Um, And so as you are continuing this journey, you talk about moving to full time. um, And I have to, I I mean, you know, just thinking and hearing where you've been, it sounds like there's anxiety around that as well. So what have you learned in the last eight months? from from this journey in the last eight months that's going to maybe that you're holding on to that you're going to take in to this new transition as you transition one to, you know, moving from part time to full time, um, but also moving from, you know, this this sort of postpartum area where, you know, new baby, uh, young infant to, to more this like one year old toddler stage. Yeah. So with our, right. It's crazy to say toddler stage. Um, as we're going into that transition, that stage, I feel like I am holding my breath less. Mm. So I've been very intentional about paying attention to, I notice, um, let me go back to the Enneagram, the gut triad, right. Holding everything in my gut, like, physically like I can feel myself like get tight sometimes when he's doing something and he's doing those things that all babies do, you know, playing, crawling around, starting to walk around with his walker. So like, Emma, just take a breath and like release it, right? Like let it go. Like that kind of like loosening. So things like that um, are helping to manage my anxiety, just like in a physical sense. Um, I am not anxious at all about this transition to full-time correction. The one thing I'm anxious about is childcare because we don't have that fully Mm. set. Right. So I'm thankful that I can work from home one day a week, uh, just in this time of transition while we get things uh, nailed down and they're very family friendly and completely understand here. Also, this is such a different environment from the hospital. And so I feel much more, at peace here. Um, so I primarily support patients, families, and staff in our inpatient house. It's a 12, 12 bed unit. And so there's such a stark difference between inpatient hospice care and being paged to a room in a hospital. Mm. As you're walking to those rooms at a hospital, I think you naturally kind of your anxiety ticks up just a little bit because you never know what you're walking into and what to expect. Um, here at hospice, um, I know what I'm walking into in every room. 
I know what I'm going into. It's a very calm, peaceful environment. There's not the beeping of machines. There's not different nurses and aides every day. Um, I know the staff here. They know me. It's much more intimate. Um, And so I'm not as anxious about that transition to full-time. It's just a very different environment here. Yeah. And again, like what are those what are those tools, maybe those things that you've learned in the last almost year plus now that you're carrying with you into those times? Advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. That's one thing that we have talked a lot about in this conversation. It's advocating for the staff that I work with, the staff that I support, advocating for myself, also learning when to step out of a situation and I'm lucky enough that I have a nice office here and so I can come and sit and maybe read a chapter of a book to recenter myself or Mm. go outside. We are on this beautiful property. We have a labyrinth here. So when the weather is nice, like I can just go out and walk and it's quiet and it's peaceful. Um, Every now and then we have a goat that shows up and I have to call someone to come wrangle it. Um, But yeah, it's just so different. And so the tools that you learn in a residency and a fellowship are so much about caring for yourself, right? How are you the calm in the midst of chaos? And so I have learned more and more and I'm learning while I'm here, you know, how, how do I remain that calming presence, even Mm -hmm. perhaps when internally I do not feel so calm. What what is the what is the sense of peace that you are going forward in these uncertain times with? I think when we look at, you know, it, it almost has become a point of anxiety, like generalized anxiety, not even like diagnosed anxiety um, disorder, but just generalized societal anxiety of there. We understand that this change is coming. We understand that transitions are going to come. Um, and, you know, we've talked in this episode about transitions from single to married, from living in one state to living in another state. And even if it's just from one city to a new city, uh, from being married to being pregnant to being a mother, you know, um, and, and like you said, the only constant thing in life is that it's changing. And so what have you learned about change? In these last, you know, few years now, where you've experienced a lot of dramatic changes in your life, the thing I have learned is to embrace it and to go with it, and that can be really hard. Um, I like I like routine, which goes completely out the window when you have a child. You know, I like routine. I like knowing what's coming, and that's not always the reality of life or each day that I walk into work, you know, I might have a plan for the day and that plan gets completely thrown out the window and that's okay. Learning to be okay with that. And then having the space and the people to process that with, like Mm -hmm. I came in to work today and I was like, okay, I'm going to come in, come in every morning. I drink my coffee I see what's going on. And then I check in with my nurses and I go do what I need to do for the day and spend time with people. And when I came in this morning, that was not going to happen at all. And so I said, okay, let me set my stuff down. Let me take a breath. 
and then I'll go tend to what needs to be tended to. And that's exactly what I did. No one was rushing me. No one felt the need to check in on me again. It was, I could come in, put my lunchbox away, get ready, take a breath and walk. And so learning to embrace that and then finding things to do to care for yourself. So like I said, I like to spend time outside when I'm here at work. So even if it's just eating my lunch outside, just breathing in fresh air Mm -hmm. can make all the different, like that internal system reset is so important. And as you continue to move forward, you know, hopefully those are things that we continue to hold on to because those are going to be the things that, that help us that no matter, you know, I mean, self-care is about learning lessons and having those lessons impact the way that you move forward. And so, um, you know, I, I think as we look at that ever changing landscape of life, it's like, OK, cool. Yeah. And thinking back, I've I've been through something like this before. What are the tools that I have at my disposal uh, to help me get through this, to help me do this, uh, to help me grow from this experience? Um but yeah, so uh, before we wrap up here, let's hit these end of podcast questions. So Emma, what is an, a, a recent accomplishment that you are proud of? A recent accomplishment that I am proud of? Does it have to be an accomplishment of mine? Or could it be me celebrating someone in my family? You can t- take it however you like. Uh, um, so my husband just ran his first ever 10K and he Ooh. had a goal of one hour and he did it in like 59 24 and very so nice. <laughs> very excited for him um honestly a little jealous because that's just not where i am yet uh working back towards it but we all have to have a base and i'm getting there <laughs> there you go there you go and you cheered him on the entire way that, that's the accomplishment right you were right beside him cheering him on <laughs> I cheered him on and the baby cried because it was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, aside from God, who do you go to when life gets tough? <sighs> My family. Yeah. We are very close. My family and my husband. And then uh, what is an upcoming goal that you have? Oh, so an upcoming goal that I have is I am running a 10 miler in April. So yes. So part of it is that, like I said, that building up that base, that redoing those PT exercises to get me back to where I'm never going to be where I once was. So what does Emma now and in the future look like in that sense? And so just rebuilding, relearning who I am in this body. Um, Yes, I'm really looking forward to this. Very exciting. Well, folks, let's cheer Emma on in her goals as she continues to to grow and learn and become a better, uh, more wholesome person. (laughs) Holistic person. (laughs) Holistic, yes. (laughs) Yes, holistic. Well, Emma, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. What an awesome time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we were able to do this. (laughs) 
wrapping up here another awesome episode. I just love bringing these to you every week. And as I think about what is one of the things that I learned from this episode, it is this nature in which self-care is uh, about advocating for yourself. I love the way that Emma talked about that in the early part of the episode as we began to hear the beginning of her story, the beginning of her maternal journey was the way in which she had to pretty much say that, no, I need this time. I need this space. I need X, Y, Z, whatever, whether it was in terms of of, of the birth of her child, whether it was in terms of the uh, care of herself as she also cared for her child, whether it was uh, care for her family, whether it was um, stipulations with her job, but it was advocating for herself so that she had this place. And, you know, we talk about boundaries all the time on this podcast and creating safe boundaries, creating good boundaries so that we can care for ourselves. But, you know, one of the things we don't really cover is the nature in which, you know, creating these boundaries may, you know, puts in a space where we have to be able to advocate for these boundaries. We have to be able to say, no, I need this. Uh, we have to be able to speak up for ourselves. And for a lot of us, that's a that's a difficult thing for us to do. That's something that might not be a natural inclination for us, but it is something that we need to do nonetheless because it's, it's how we do care for ourselves. It's how we do exist in this space. And so uh, we need to find our voice in that way. You know, uh, how are you advocating for yourself? How are you uh, creating spaces that allow you to care for yourself? And how are you making these ideals, these understandings? How are you making this known to, to those who are around you so that you can have this space, so that you can have this care, so that you can do these things? And so what are we doing and how are we speaking to other people? That is uh, what the name of this game has been. And, and that's what we continue to look at going forward. And that's something that I'm taking away from this episode. And so I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the Active Faith Podcast. You know, Don't forget about those show notes. Check them out. All kinds of great and wonderful information in there. The Active Faith community on Facebook where you can come in, join in our conversation, be a part of this community, uh, encourage, support one another. Uh, but the biggest one right now, you know, this is a self-supported podcast and this is supported um, by you, the listeners and you do that through your gifts on Patreon. I want to thank my patrons, David Vaughn, Amy Dane, and Pam Anderson, and Andy Wells for their support. Any contribution a month that you can offer up helps to continue this mission and ministry, helps continue to be able to put these episodes out. It helps to pay all the little minute fees that go on, but it helps keep these uh, episodes sounding awesome, sounding great. And so I want to encourage you, please, if you can head on over to patreon.com slash run and rev and support me over there. Uh, if you would follow and subscribe to this podcast so that it pops up in your feed, but, but also if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The links are, are in the podcast notes or just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and search App Active Faith Podcast and leave a rating or review because those help others know how awesome this show is, know how great this is, know all the awesome information that you're pulling from this. If you leave me a rating or review, I will read your review in the uh, end, outro of the next episode. And so uh, I love to see what you all are loving about it, but also it helps others to learn about the podcast as well. And lastly, and and really probably one of the easiest ways is just to share it. You know, take a take the podcast episode, hit that share button and share it with others so that others uh, can see uh, what you're listening to and can uh, have an opportunity to listen to it for themselves as well. And now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen. <laughs>